You're listening to the Hanging with the AD podcast, where we break down hot topics in athletic administration and lessons learned through leadership. And now, here are your hosts, Josh Matthews and Don Baker. On today's episode, we take a deeper dive into the topic of event management with three high-level athletic leaders from different parts of the country. So we sit down with Jeff Behrens, CMAA from Pewaukee Schools in Wisconsin, Lisa Corpru, CMAA from Bayside High School in Virginia, and Tony Wolf, who serves as the athletic director at Buford High School in Buford, Georgia. These dynamic leaders break down the keys to what makes any event run smoothly and safely, and we hope that they help you improve your event planning process after our conversation today. Let's settle in and learn more about effective event management. Welcome, everyone, to a bit of a special edition of the Hanging with the AD podcast today as we look at the topic of event management. We're looking to bring you some episodes this season that are a little more singular in focus, uh, and today is the first of those. We all have to create plans as we look to host both large and small events, and today we've assembled what we think is an all-star panel to help us better prepare for such contests. Yeah, I would agree, Don. This is uh, we got some three great guests here that know what they're doing and know how to do it. So uh, just a quick intro. Tony Wolf is the athletic director at Buford High School in Buford, Georgia, and was kind enough to be one of our very first guests as he sat down with us way back on episode two. Jeff Behrens uh, serves as the athletic and activities director at Pewaukee Schools in Pewaukee, Wisconsin, and also is a familiar face as he joined us for episode 55 in season three. He's probably in the coldest part of the country right now for us. And we're also pleased to welcome a new face to the podcast in Lisa Corpru, who serves as a student activities coordinator at Bayside High School in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And she also serves on the NIAAA Board of Directors as the Section 2 representative. So thank you to each one of you for joining us today for this special episode. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right. So let's start off, uh, each one of you, let, let you talk about your school and what you do there at your school, maybe not uh, too deep of a bio, but maybe just tell us how many students does your school have? Maybe how long you've been at that school and how many events do you cover in a year or an estimate of how many events you cover in a year? Cause I know that's not an easy science to figure out. Coach Wolf, you want to start off with that? I'll be happy to. Um, uh, Beaverton high school is uh, a school of about 1900 students. Um, city school located in a large, uh, large county of about 20 uh, county public schools. Um, this is my 27th year at the high school. We were a class A school of 450 students when I started 27 years ago. Coach football, baseball, and softball for a number of years and have been AD for the last uh, six years. Coach, about how many events do you cover every year, you think? Oh, I, I, 100, 125, m- most likely. That's that's about right, I would imagine. All right, uh, Jeff, you want to go next? Sure. Um, I, uh, I'm from Pewaukee, Wisconsin, and our school is about 850 students, uh, which is a Division II, uh, mostly Division II, Division three school here in Wisconsin. Uh, this is my fifth year as the athletic and activities director here in Pewaukee, but my 13th year overall. Um, I was an activities director uh, at, a, at a different school in Wisconsin prior to coming here. I coached uh, wrestling, baseball, and football. 
uh, back in my teaching life. And uh, I have no idea how many events I cover. I just know that I, I'm at about 90% of all of our home, home events. So. That's good. All right, Lisa. So good morning. I always introduce myself as uh, student activities from Bayside High School, where it's always a great day to be a Marlin. I'm a proud graduate of the class of 1990 from Bayside High School. Um, I returned to Bayside High School in 1995, where I coached softball and basketball before assuming this role in 1999. Um, So I've been here in this position since 1999. Uh, In Virginia, we have six classes. We are a 5A school. We are similar in size to Beaufort County. Is it Beaufort County? Beaufort City. Beaufort City. Um, and we uh, sponsor, well, we uh, sanctioned 27 varsity JV boys and girls athletics. And unfortunately, I can't tell you how many total events. I just know that we cover them all. Um, we are adding new this year in the spring boys and girls lacrosse. So I'll be looking for some tips if you all have any of those. Just means more. That's what at the end of the day, that's funny that everybody's like, you know, you just kind of get lost in the work, right? You just do it. Uh, you don't really know how many there are until you look back. Now, Lisa, let's stay with you for just a second. What is your number one rule when hosting an event? Or maybe, maybe a better way to ask it is a fill in the blank. So if blank happens tonight, it will be a successful event. What would you say? If everyone goes home safely, it's a successful event. We want to invite people to our homes and we want to make it a safe environment for everyone. So I always start our season with a preseason meeting with all of our athletes. And I remind them that the officials and the visiting teams are our guests. So you wouldn't invite someone to your home and mistreat them. We want to do the same when we're hosting events here at school. Jeff, what would you say? Maybe outside of safety, you know, if, if blank happens tonight, it'll be a successful event. Um, if we if everyone acts appropriately. It will be a successful event. Coach, what would you say? Oh, I, I you know, I, I just want it to be efficient. I just want everybody to have, you know, an easy, easy entrance, easy, you know, when they're leaving, uh, lines, concessions, restrooms, all that to be efficient and er- everybody to just enjoy their time while they're there. That's good stuff. Now, when we talk about big events, not just your average Tuesday softball game or for us in March when we have a baseball game, when it's 40 degrees outside. Uh, but the, the big events where everyone wants a piece of the action, every group wants recognition. Uh, maybe they want to make money. They want to use that event as a fundraiser or just have special attention. What processes do you have to really vet or maybe even restrict access to only what you would deem a legitimate group to be a part of a big night like that? Uh, maybe do you have an experience with this phenomenon where, all of a sudden, you've got a big game, and everybody wants to be a piece of it. Jeff, do you have any experience uh, well, with that? First, first, when when we have a big event, let's say it's a postseason event, um, there are specific rules set by our state organization that you know we can't have school-specific fundraisers. So when it comes to the big events that are postseason, you know we have rules that are given to us that we have to abide by. Uh, but if we have an, an in-season event. Really, I, I think it almost comes down to what Coach Wolf is talking about in efficiency. Like, I'll, I'll provide some opportunities for for groups or or other organizations to be involved in that event, but it, it has to go to the efficiency of the event. If it's if it's going to prolong that event or make it cumbersome or or anything like that, then it's not going to happen. We have a we have a giant basketball game coming up, and 
It's uh, it's the top two teams in the state. Uh, we've been the top two teams for a couple of years, and and it'll draw. I mean, we'll have we'll have probably sixteen hundred people in our gym, and we'll have probably twenty five hundred people watching our live stream. And uh, I've already told our band, like you know, this is probably not going to be the night to have our band fill the stands. Like we mm-hmm. we're going to need that space. Our palms and 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 cheerleading, they wanted to have their clinic and bring in, you know, all the youth cheerleaders and youth palms dancers. That's not going to be the night for, for that. We're going to have to find a different night. Um, so just understanding the magnitude of the event and trying to make it efficient. Lisa, you want to add to that? Luckily for us, GoFan also limits the number of people that are have access. The, the one thing that I find is that media always wants to get a little extra piece when you're hosting a big event. So um, our local rules kind of limit what they're allowed to do if they haven't already been on the list to give them access to the games, especially with all of the number of Internet media coverage popping up all over the place now. Coach Wolf, you want to add anything to that about those big events of people wanting a piece? Yeah, it, for us, it's pretty much invitation only. And, you know, if we see a need or an opportunity, we'll invite certain groups. But for the most part, we don't just open it up to just any and everybody. Um, between, you know, the, the things that we have in place to make sure everything's covered, it just doesn't leave a lot of time for a lot of space for everything else. So it's, it's by invitation uh, only really. It's good. Uh, Lisa kind of alluded to this and coach Wolf, you and I have had this discussion lately or recently, you know, there's a new trend and it it sort of goes along with that last question. These guys are folks who call themselves hype artists or we call them hype artists, whatever. I don't know what they are, but uh, they won't field in court access to make highlight films. Some of these cats are uh, employed by um, athletes for their publicity, while others are more freelance trying to get social media hits by following these stud athletes that we have. What are y'all doing to, uh, about these individuals who a lot of times call themselves media, as you said, Lisa, internet media, um, maybe not with a media credential, though, that we, uh, we, we get to. Coach Wolf, you want to start us with that? Yeah, that's complicated. And, and, and it's, a, you know, a, a growing um, concern um, for football. We have a, a, a very highly ranked, uh, high-profile football program, and so we get a, a lot of attention uh, from, from that segment. Um, and so we require everybody to contact us uh, at least uh, 48 hours prior to, to the game uh, asking for permission, and you know, some will approve, some we do not. You know, I, my football staff helps us out with with that a great deal, and in determining what is truly relevant and you know legitimate, um, having an Instagram page and a and a cell phone uh, with a <laughs> camera is not legitimate in our eyes, and so we we really try to keep a handle on it. Uh, you know, some slip through from time to time, but uh, I, I think you have to, otherwise you're going to have 80 people surrounding your field or your court all with a camera wanting to get shots. We had one guy who, and we have, we have rules listed on our uh, sideline pass. And if you violate a rule, you get escorted out of the stadium. And we had a guy who literally tried to pull a player away from a coach during the game and do an interview with him. And, 
of course, he got to leave the game early that night. Um, <laughs> but so, you know, just coming up with some hard, fast rules for us is a big thing, uh, determining how legitimate um, their program is. And, and, you know, but also trying to understand to our kids, it's important. They want the highlight tapes and, you know, and certainly we want our kids to be recruited. And if we think they can, it helps with recruiting. We try to accommodate them as long as they abide by our guidelines. And, uh, but it, it's changing, it, you know, <laughs> it wasn't a problem five years ago and it's, it's a growing concern now. Yeah, I think you make a good point there. We have to stay in front of uh, the things that are in front of us, right? You said a couple of things, and then I'll get to uh, Jeff and Lisa here in a second, but you mentioned that you put the rules on the sideline pass, which is kind of mimics Augusta National, the Masters. They're very specific, and I think they have that uh, that invitation to leave pol- uh, policy down there as well if you have a cell phone or something like that. But then you know, I know in our conversation you mentioned that um, – you're not afraid to tell parents, I'm sorry, but this person is not going to come. And you, you'll tell parents, no, I know you want that person there, but they don't fit our criteria and we're not going to allow it. And I think that's, you have to be willing to have those difficult conversations, right? Yes, sir. In fact, you know, every coach is instructed to uh, communicate with their parents by email or in person, like at a preseason parent meeting. We're not going to allow individually paid professional videographers or, or so forth uh, on our sidelines. So if they come, you know, if a parent pays $500 for some company to come down and do a highlight package video for them and things like that, they're not getting access. The only people getting access is number one, true media, you know, uh, news stations, newspapers, radio, things like that. Uh, and legitimate recruiting services like, a tw- you know, Rivals 24-7 and, and those kind of things. But we're not going to allow uh, people to make a living, a private living, you know, from our sidelines. And, and, and certainly one of the concerns is the liabilities. If they get right. run over on the sidelines, you know, it creates all kinds of issues. If they're with a legitimate company, they've probably, they're probably insured and covered. But if they're just somebody that's doing it on the side, and have an Instagram page that that they're probably not covered insurance-wise, and that creates some problems for us as well. But so our coaches communicate that we communicate it, uh, and, and when I speak to all our parent uh, groups and um, try to try our best to keep an eye on it, uh, but it's not perfect, and uh, you know we understand that we do allow anybody and everybody to video from the stands, okay, but not not from the sidelines. That's good. All right, Lisa, you kind of uh, started us uh, with this topic. So what do you think about these uh, hype artists who are getting access or want access to us? I absolutely think it's awesome that they want to promote our athletes. However, we do have a process. I'm pretty fortunate that our central office actually vets any organization that wants to receive a sideline pass and they have to reapply for that pass yearly. Um, The good thing for us, uh, we have 11 high schools here in Virginia Beach. So we all get to see the same pass. They have to go through the central office, fill out an application, and then our central office coordinators will approve or disapprove those persons interested in filming or getting interviews of our athletes. I know Don loves to hear that. He's got 16 schools. And I know he would love to vet all the season passes. That sounds like, that sounds like a wonderful opportunity. Yes, it does. (laughs) No, great policy there. Great idea. All right, Jeff. Uh, for us, we we haven't had too many of the uh, the hype artists, but we have a lot of the 
uh, internet um, recruiting and, and things like that. So far, I've allowed them. Uh, they, they usually contact me ahead of time. I put them on the, pa- on the pass list. So when they check in at the admissions, um, they're on the list. Um, I have had to have, you know, some conversations with people who are probably those hype artists who are, you know, individually hired or whatever. And I just come over to them and say they, they can't stand on the floor. They can't be on the sideline. And, and so far they've, they've abided by that. So, uh, I haven't really had that issue yet. Uh, but I'm sure that's coming. Now let's talk mindset for a minute. What must be the mindset of an athletic administrator when hosting or managing a big event? Okay. Where should that focus be uh, in your opinion? Lisa, why don't you kick us off on that? I think the focus should be uh, two teams, a ball, and providing uh, a great, fun experience, educational-based experience for those persons involved in that. I mean, that's what we do for a living, and that's what we want to hope that each of our athletes, both visiting and home, take away from that. And all the other stuff is just icing on the cake, right? Um, and it's our it's our responsibility to ensure that the athletes are having a good time. Jeff, what do you think about that? What, what where should that focus be? Uh, I am wide lens, so uh, you know I'm, I'm looking primarily at the experience of everyone that's there to to watch that game. And and unfortunately, there have been football games where I didn't even watch any of the game. I didn't get a chance to see any of the game because I'm focused on the fans. I'm focused on the spectators. I'm focused on the concession area. Um, so I'm constantly moving around and, and just having a wide lens, making sure that everything is is going to plan. Tony, what about you? I, I know that you guys host a lot of big events and, and you've got uh, some great facilities to host a lot of events. Uh, where should that focus be when you're planning uh, a big event? Well, I, I think I think for me, it's more of event management, you know, and for a home football game, I will work a staff of about 70 people. And, you know, so I'm a little bit all over the place as well. And I'll try to watch, you know, some of the game. But the bigger the game, the probably the the less I see of the game. Um, uh, So, you know, safety and security is always number one. Uh, You know, is everybody safe from the athletes on the field or the courts uh, to all the people in the stands and, you know, how do we get them in? How do we manage them while they're inside the, the stadium or the, the gym or arena? You know, and how do we get them out? Um, and, and just really trying to put on a first-class experience that everybody leaves feeling like they were treated well, they had a great seat, they had a great opportunity, and they felt safe and, you know, in, in the way they could move in and out of the stadium and safe in terms of just – Crowd control. We, you know, like many places, have clear bag policy now. Just trying to, you know, increase our security on what gets into the stadium. And so, um, you know, in some games we we'll have, you know, we'll have four or five thousand for a home football game. And then, like the Mill Creek game, we had twelve thousand. And twelve thousand, I became one hundred percent event manager that night right. uh, with that many people. I think I think we parked forty seven hundred cars and had twelve thousand people. Oh. You know, inside the stadium, uh, it was quite a night. <laughs> Sounds like graduation to me. <laughs> it's about what it's like. Now, coach, you need to mention there, your stadium seats five thousand, right? 
Yeah, we seated about 5,100. So we had to prepare for standing room only, uh, you know, and we learned some things we would have done differently, you know, in hindsight, but uh, standing room only, you know, making sure you have extra restroom type facilities, extra concession facilities for overflow crowds, extra security, um, traffic flow, traffic, you know, and parking are huge things along those areas as well and so for me I, I i probably saw 10 percent of the game and and dealt with you know fans and parking and concessions and everything else about 90 percent of the time yeah i think i would have liked to have been there watching you what the work but uh not sure i would have wanted to manage that one but that's awesome all right uh, let's talk about how we make sure those things get done you mentioned a lot of things there coach wolf how do y'all make sure everything gets done for that game? Say that Friday night football football game or state playoff, uh, baseball, soccer, lacrosse, whatever you have, basketball. What what's your process there, Jeff? Uh, you want you want to talk about that? Let's start with a checklist for one. I just have a checklist that I make sure that everything gets done, and and obviously, you know that these big games are coming up. So uh, thinking about them, you know, uh, ahead of time and being intentional on how you, what you want to happen at that game, having those goals and, and then being intentional and preparing for those so that that goal or that, that outcome happens, and, you know, and then if we have a big game like that. I'll spend, you know, I'll spend mo- almost the entire day of that event. That's what I'm doing that day. I'm getting ready for that event. And, and it might be a day and a half, but uh, really that checklist, trying to just trying to think of everything, trying to be prepared and using your past experience to help you with that. All right. Uh, Coach Wolf. I'm a checklist guy. Also I have like for a home football game, I'll have a Monday checklist, a Wednesday checklist, and then a Friday checklist. And along that way, I also have a, a email that goes out to our entire game day staff on Wednesday, uh, communicating everything anybody would need to know from the gatekeeper to the parking attendant, to the chain gang, to the press, to all the people in the press box, communicating with them. And then, you know, I'm the same way on Fridays. I'm, I'm pretty much an event manager all day. And so I also have a Friday checklist of pregame, in-game, and then post-game checklist. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I get where I don't, I rely on the checklist more in the beginning and when, you know, the, the end game stuff just kind of flows, but I, I think, you know, being organized and, and, and then communicating with your people. Um, biggest problems I, I run into is when we don't communicate well and gatekeeper doesn't know it's senior night or, you know, and she needs to let, you know, these senior parents or whatever in free and, you know, or those kind of things. That's our, our, my biggest goal is to just make sure I've communicated well and I've got a great plan and it, it always starts with the checklist. It's good. All right, Lisa. Similar to those two guys, same here. We use a checklist. Um, I'm pretty fortunate. Well, everyone's probably pretty fortunate that you have a really good team of veteran people that kind of know what's going on. And then if something new happens or comes up, we can explain it using the radios to communicate those things. Uh, we have a new administrative team that's uh, has athletic background. So that's been really great um, to have them um, in my corner as well when we're setting up things on, on big game days. 
So using a checklist and ensuring that we're sticking to that and everybody is aware of what's going on is the biggest key to being successful. I think that you bring up a great point right there as as principals and, and, and they start to hire their administrative teams, look for those people that have some type of an athletic background, uh, whether it be from a playing perspective or maybe they were an athletic coordinator or something at a different school. But to have people that know this world a little bit that aren't necessarily the AD but get it, I think that, that that's a huge point. Now, Lisa, staying with you, uh, and I know Tony mentioned this uh, a minute ago when they were talking about reflecting back on that big event. Do you have any special routines to reflect on the management of an event after it's over? We've had on a uh, guest on here before that talked about uh, after action reports or AARs that the military uses. They kind of use a similar format that uh, when it's over, they go back and look at it. I was just curious what your process looks like once you've completed an event and have had time to look back on it. It's not really a formal process, but um, my student activity team, we usually like we will gather together here in the office and kind of break down how everything went. Uh, we'll probably do it over a bite to eat at the conclusion of the game. Just uh, if we, when we have to host that event again, what we would do better, what we would do to improve that event. So not a, a formal process, but we do uh, get together and meet at the conclusion of the game just to review how we thought everything went. Jeff, what about you? You guys uh, huddle up or, or maybe even further on down the road, mm-hmm. look at an event. The only thing, like Lisa, uh, nothing really formal. Um, I meet with my administrative assistant on Monday mornings. Uh, we have a standing meeting every Monday morning where we talk about the week, and we'll talk about, uh, all right, how did last Friday go? What what were things that we can improve on? Um, but then also uh, I'll meet with my student section leaders too. That's just another thing that I do. Every, every once in a while I meet with my student section leaders and talk about it from a student section, hey, how can we be better? What went well? Things like that. Hey, Jeff, on that, what does your administrative assistant do, say, at a Friday night football game? We have a rule where she actually cannot work uh, an event. Um, it's it's uh, something. Sounds like a rule that needs to get changed to, to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, but um, so she does a lot of preparation. She she basically uh, handles getting the workers and getting admissions set up. And then, okay. you know. At the end of her work day, she leaves and I, I take over and then, you know, she she does all the stuff the next morning to you know count the cash and all that kind of stuff. That's good. I asked because my, my assistant works the gate. So we do some of that same uh, collaboration there. Yeah. And I, I want my administrative assistant to work the gate and she wants to. We just uh, we have some some roadblocks there. Yes, sir. Coach Wolf, what about you? I know you mentioned you know, reflecting on that one uh, this particular event. Is that something that you do regularly? It is. Um, so I attend an administrative meeting every Monday morning, and we review whatever went on over the weekend. But then I have my staff meeting every uh, every Monday as well. And my staff includes an administrative assistant. I am very fortunate. I have two uh, retired 49% assisted ADs. And then I have a um, an SID who is she has many jobs in our school, including doing the scheduling. She does power school, Canvas, all that digital stuff as well. But she's also our sports and information director. Uh, and so we have a staff meeting uh, every Monday to review what went on over the weekend. And 
And then in big events, like we host the GHSA, uh, our state championship gymnastics competition. We host the state final four basketball for, for 6A, 7A, 5A, depending on what year, different classes. And so we have pre-meetings that we get SROs, administrators, gatekeepers, everybody together where we discuss the previous year, you know, and the upcoming year. And then we always have an after action meeting, you know, after those big events like that. We're hosting the state duels wrestling this year. We have a great facility that our arena seats 5,000 for basketball or wrestling and uh, or gymnastics. And uh, so we get to host a lot of state events and it always always have an after action meeting uh, and it's a formal meeting where we literally go over ticket sales to parking to the whole nine yards. And, and then we do, we do so every week with whatever went on in our athletics department. That's good. Uh, you know, I think sometimes we get in a hurry and we don't necessarily want to do a formal meeting and go line item by line item. But when you do those big events, like uh, y'all do over there at Buford, uh, it's probably uh, invaluable there. All right, all three of you have kind of alluded to the uh, how, how you would answer this next question, but I'll throw it out there and see if you want to add anything. Do you have a certain spot you like to stand and can be found at an event, or do you like to float around and see all the different activities taking place? Jeff mentioned concessions, press box, all those different things. I know uh, we met, we went to a thing at Georgia Southern, and their director of athletics he doesn't stand in a suite. He floats around. He's, he, he meets with donors and uh, sees the concession stand and all the different aspects. He says he goes back and watches the game on video later on. Uh, so are you floating around or do you like to have one spot that's maybe clear, undisturbed view in case you need to handle issues? Uh, Jeff, you want to go ahead? Yeah, um, I would say um, for a football game, I'm floating around. I mean, it's, it's a big, obviously a bigger facility, bigger area. Uh, more things to check on. So I'm floating around, but I would also say, I think my path that I float is pretty predictable in our, in our, at least our home, our home crowd. I think they know where to find my path if they need to get, if they need to get to me at a basketball game. If I am standing in the gym, I'm usually standing in the same place. And um, that is a place where I have a clear access to our student section. I have a clear access to both, uh, both you know, crowds, both sides of the of the court, and I I do that partly intentionally because um, I want people to know where I am if they need to come and get me. I'm easily visible, easily accessible, uh, but again, I still have access if I need to motion something to our student section, or if I need to go address a, a fan, I can do so from that vantage point. Yeah, I like to remind our listeners now, if you go back and listen to Jeff's episode, I think it was 55 we mentioned, Jeff does a great job with what he calls fan camp with his student leaders and his student crowds. So, uh, you know, it's a big deal to Jeff there at Milwaukee to have access and to have uh, good control over his students while letting them have a fun time. He's not, you know, sitting on them or anything, but he's got a good uh, set up there and a good plan to have the student crowd uh, doing a good job there. All right, Lisa, uh, what, what about you? Similar to Jeff, I pretty much float 
for outdoor events and indoor events. Uh, it's a little easier to find me during basketball season because our gym is not as large. Um, we only seat about a thousand uh, people in our gym, but um, I'm pretty much a floater depending on what's happening with the game. All right. So let me ask you this. If you're floating around, who, who's in charge of the officials or how do the officials know to get in touch with you? So what we do is we pre-assign uh, members of our student activities team to the officials, to the visiting team. So if they can't find me, they will go to that designee uh, for the evening. Okay. That's good. All right. Coach Wolf. Well, for, for football, I'm, I'm typically visitor sidelines down in the corner of the end zone where I can see the home side really well, but I'm on, I'm going to make several laps around the field, just checking in with, everybody possible i have someone assigned to the to the visitors an administrator assigned to the visitors and then i'm fortunate that i'll have an ap an administrator of some type who's who's in charge of of our fans especially the students uh most nights uh so i get to worry a little more focus a little more on the game itself and the participants and the gate of course um for basketball i typically and some close proximity to the student section, uh, not necessarily right beside them, but I'm going to be close enough to where they know I'm close by. Uh, but I'll, I'll make two or three laps around the gym and check in with visiting cheer coach, with our cheer coach, uh, check with the scores table, just really for everybody to see that there's a presence there uh, and just to make sure our people – Everybody feels good, and if they need something, you know, they know who I am, and and, and I'm fairly, you know, easy to find because I'm going to be on the floor level the entire basketball game. Uh, I'll have an administrator working more from the top of the gym, and I'll be on the floor level to, to assist with all the participants. And then myself and an SRO is always going to escort the officials on and off the court, same way with the football game. We'll have an SRO assigned to it as well as me or someone else I've assigned to get them on and off the field. Coach Wolf, you've experienced managing events at the, the, the lower levels uh, classifications in the state of Georgia and now the highest level uh, in 7A. What adjustments have you had to make uh, as a school as you've hosted larger and larger events? It's not to say that you weren't hosting large events prior to because you were, but now playing larger schools could mean larger crowds like we've already mentioned. Have you had to adjust your planning based on playing schools that have a larger student population? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, when we were a double-A, AA, double-A, triple-A school, you know, you, you, you planned, but you didn't have to put as much in planning because you didn't right. have the, the number of fans. You didn't have the number of cars. You know, when you start being a larger school, like, like you know, the, many in all the schools in Cobb, you know, you now have to plan. It changes how you plan everything from concession product, mm -hmm. uh, how many people work in concessions. It changes how many custodians you work, you know, during an event because you've got to make sure restrooms are clean and supplies are resupplied and things. Uh, you know, you start hosting seven-day events in Georgia, you're probably going to have to make sure you've got some plan for, for traffic flow and parking. Um, certainly, you know, you need extra additional people in the stands to make sure 
everything, you know, goes smoothly there. And so, yeah, I, I think you work a lot more people, but you also have to plan a lot more for, for a baseball game. If you've got 300 people coming to it, you know, it doesn't take a lot. Uh, you host a state championship game and 1,600 come, uh, it changes things because m- most of us don't have the facilities to handle. I know I've been to over with Josh at Pope and, you know, played huge playoff games. And most of us, our facilities aren't built for the crowds that show up for those That's things. Right. And Josh did a great job when we were over there last spring, uh, just having a plan for how to handle that many people, you know, getting them in, signage, you know, and having people helping and guide people and instructing people. And that's a big thing. Uh, I, 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 we spend, we spend probably one meeting a week, just making sure we've got the right signage for the events that are coming up that week. Jeff, Lisa, either one of you like to add to that? Maybe have you experienced expansion, even though you're in schools that are smaller schools based on student population doesn't mean that you haven't seen expansion at your events. Maybe anything that uh, has required you to have that growth mindset. So I always tell people we're dealing with 1964 technology. Um, So we're only as good as the space that we have. We are kind of limited on hosting super big events. Previously, like we could host gymnastics, which isn't an issue. Those things that don't require big crowds that we still can be efficient with hosting. um, That's what we have been able to do. So we're pretty like steady um, with what we're hosting haven't seen a huge influx or decrease in what we're doing over the years. And for me, um, you know, I, I try to use digital ticketing to, to try to manage how many fans I can try to expect. I try to use social media to get people to go to that digital ticketing. Uh, but then um, when I know that we have a big event coming on, we have portable bleachers for our, for our, uh, for a basketball court that we can bring in um, and set off on the, on one end of the court. So understanding that we need to bring in portable bleachers, some, some stanchions, some rope, things like that to manage the, uh, the fan traffic flow in the gym. Uh, Cause that's what happens, you know, towards the end of a, of a big basketball game, you know, people are going to come closer to the court. I got to have it roped off and, and so that they know where they can and can't go. So just trying to plan ahead that way. That's really good. That's good there. All right. I will have to go back and say, um, Coach Wolf gave me uh, mentioned uh, some nice kind words there. I was able to copy what he did the year before when we went to his place <laughs> for baseball. So <laughs> it worked out good that I went to his place first. All right. Well, one more you. last question here. I'm reading a book called Canoeing the Mountains. It's a leadership book that parallels church or business leadership with the exploration of Lewis and Clark. One of the main points early on in the book is when Lewis and Clark got to the top of the Missouri River, the Lehigh Pass, I believe it's called, they expected to look out over the cliffs and see the Pacific Ocean, which that was the goal that they have been charged with. But obviously they looked out and they saw the Rocky Mountains and they say more mountains and more mountains and more mountains. At that point, they had no training, no preparation for what was in front of them. My question is, have you ever managed an event where you prepared extensively, but at some point in the event, your preparation and knowledge was exhausted and you basically had to canoe the mountain, or as we sometimes say, we had to make it up on the fly or build a plane in the middle of the air, right? Lisa, you're shaking your head. I'll let you go first and let the guys think about it. Any any event where you had to kind of make it up on the fly? 
Absolutely. Um, I was luckily enough to get to host uh, region forensics for the very first time. Um, and I thought I had a good handle on, you know, you, you go through the handbook and you're reading everything that's in the handbook, but you're reading and then applying that knowledge. That means two different things. Um, and then the handbook for forensics, it says you can have a judge in one room or you can have two judges in a room. Well, what I did not know is that you had to have the same number of judges in the room. And when you're hosting forensics, you know, there's like 10, 20 regional championships all at once, which I, I was not aware. Um, and you have the pre the meeting with the coaches to let them know everyone. The one thing that I didn't count on was you have judges that basically volunteer for the event. So when they don't show up for the event, it leaves you short. So I was short in one of my rounds of rooms and forensics. You have to have equal, equal judges. Um, one room of judges had two judges. The other room with the same category had one judge. And you would have thought that I murdered someone in forensics because I didn't have an equal number of judges. So I called the state office like in a panic. In normal athletics, we have like, so if this happens, we have rules for fixing these things. Well, the only thing that the state could tell me was, um, you got to have two judges. You got to have two judges. Okay, I get it. I messed up. How do I fix it now? So my biggest takeaway from that is have two judges um, and get extra people. When you think you have enough, you don't have enough. That's good. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Uh, well, I would start off by saying that uh, the question that you posed, I think that is our job, right? Like we can plan and no matter how good the plan is, something's going to go not to plan. Something's going to go wrong. That's our job. We are, you know, Josh, when we presented at nationals two years ago, I talked about like, I'm just trying to prevent fires rather than put them out. But at some point we're always firemen, right? We're right. always, we're always putting out fires. And so I think I could say something from every single event that went, you know, uh, wrong from my plan, but I will say this, uh, this year, this football season, we had something that I've never had happen before. We had a raccoon that made it into our football stadium during a football game. And it was right where all of our kids, all of our youth, uh, you play and congregate. And so we had this raccoon that seemed ill. So, you know, we had to assume, you know, rabid or whatever. And, uh, I remember standing there with my head custodian and waiting for the, the, uh, humane, you know, animal, uh, place to come. And, and I thought, and I, I remember saying to him, well, this is a new one. This is, I've never had this happen. So here we are in a football game. We're trying to manage a, uh, what could be a rabid raccoon uh, by, you know, by our home students, young students. So I would just say that that's just our job. I mean, our job is, is putting out fires as they put up and there's never a, an event that goes directly to plan. We always have to do the best we can on the fly and canoe up that mountain. Amen. Yeah, we may have to get you on the uh, our friends the paradox uh, podcast for that one to hear more of that story. Yeah, that's got a, that's got a paradox episode written all over it. All right, Coach Wolf, you want to finish this up? Well, I, I think Jeff's exactly right that we really are dealing with something on the fly almost 
every night that you host an event. Um, for me this year, the, the night we had 12,000 show up for a football game, based on our digital ticket sales, we expected eight, maybe nine at the most. And, and so uh, we get into the latter part of Friday afternoon, right before game time, and we've surpassed that number. And uh, so we literally had to create an additional gate to get people into the into the stadium. We we have this random gate, that not intended to be like an you know we accept tickets and things like that, but we just had to create it on the fly during the game and move some ticket people around just to try to help you know, get the people into the game in, uh, in an efficient manner. So I, I think that no matter what you're planning is, you're always going to run into those things. You, you never can expect whether it's, whether it's some kind of medical emergency in the stands or whether it's an injury on the court or the field that's, you know, exceptional and, and, and creates problems. But my best story this year is uh, for senior night for our football season on Tuesday, the, chairman of the school board calls and tells me he's invited uh, a politician who is running for real running for election to our game to be recognized. And, and I tell him, you know, we've got like 72 seniors to recognize for senior night. No, we don't, we, we need to have him in. Um, he calls me the next day to tell me that his good friend has the dog that catches the Frisbee's been invited to the game. And so then he calls me Thursday to tell me that since the person he invited on Tuesday was a Republican, we needed to have a Democratic candidate. Uh, and so by Friday, we had a Republican running for office, a Democrat running for office, and a dog catching Frisbees all on senior night. And he just kept telling me, just squeeze it in and make it work. And, you know, and I'm just tearing up plans and starting over, you know, like every day. And so that's just part of our job. We all have bosses too, school board, superintendents, principals, and we adjust to their needs and what they want. And um, sometimes it doesn't fit perfectly with our plan, but we just do the best we can to make it happen for them. You know, there's a phrase that we've used on here before, uh, and that is a goat rodeo. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know what a goat rodeo is. I've never been to one, but you can imagine goats in a rodeo and put it together. It sounds like that's what you were dealing with there uh, that night for sure. It was quite a three-ring circus now. For about 20 minutes, it was a little bit of everything going on. That's funny. And it was a high-profile Senate race, and, you know, and for you in Georgia, you, you can imagine former football player running for office. Uh, certainly drew – created quite a stir. Uh, but but we survived it and, and managed it. So uh, it's just all in the night. And, it, you know, we're all going to write a great book one day with all these stories. I think Very you summed true. it up great there, Don. Uh, we do the best we can to make it happen. I think that's what Jeff and Lisa and Tony both all three said today. So we do the best we can to make it happen, and we make a lot of things happen. These guys make a lot of things happen. So, uh, yeah, that's good. And Lisa, and Tony, I just – wait, I'm sorry. Tony, I just want to um, let you know I've been working on the title of the book, and it's going to be – and you just cannot make this stuff up. That's a good title. <laughs> That's a good one. I think that the bet to, to kind of, as we close it out today, you know, Lisa, you said, when you think you have enough, 
you don't have enough. I think, you know, you talk about event management, when you, just when you, when you're done, you want to put a bow on it. You may want to add two more people. Just, just saying, just saying. Um, Thank you to each of you for taking the time to sit down with us today uh, as we look to give our listeners some more tools that they can look to to maybe not just host just the large-scale events, but just the everyday contest uh, and ensure that things run smoothly again. So thanks again for your time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. For me, event management is one of the most intriguing yet most challenging parts of our job because every event is different. and today. You heard from three folks, Lisa Corpru, Jeff Behrens, and Tony Wolf, three very veteran ADs who have dealt with event management in three different areas of our country, but at the same level, a level of doing events at an excellent pace and an excellent rate. Now, I think the last part was the best part, dealing with a raccoon, dealing with a lack of judges and not a lot of direction, and then uh, basically the three-ring circus as uh, it was described there. And while we get a lot of laughs out of that, that's what we deal with, right? As Coach said, we do the best we can to make it happen. And, And all joking aside, I think there are some huge nuggets in this episode. Lisa talked about the mindset. The mindset it is two teams, a ball, and a fun experience. That is the baseline for what and why we have events at the high school level. That is the baseline for education-based athletics, right? There may be a lot of people that want to be a part of it, but at the end of the day, it's two teams, a ball, and a fun experience. That's our vision. That's our goal as athletic administrators. You heard Jeff Barron's talk more about student leadership, being actively engaged at events, being involved in different aspects so you understand what all is happening, not just on the field, but throughout the event. You heard uh, Tony Wolf talk about using a large staff, but making sure the event is efficient. You also heard him talking about dealing with new phenomenons like the hype video artists that are coming to our games, dealing with people who want to be a part of these games Uh, because they are big events and they want some notoriety for their club and organization. Lots of applicable nuggets here from uh, Tony, from Jeff, from Lisa. Wow, what a a conversation to help us review and reflect on how we manage our events. I know for me, when when I finished this conversation, man, it was like I can do better. And I'm going to look back over these notes, listen to this episode again, and figure out how we can do events better here at our high school as well. Well, thank you, Tony. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Lisa, for joining us. What a great episode. And y'all made it uh, Y'all made it great. So thank you for that. And now, as you listen and, and as you hear from these guys and ladies, um, you know, we would love to hear your thoughts, hear what you got out of this episode. If you could leave us a rating or review on your podcast platform, shoot us a, um, a message on Instagram or Twitter at hanging with the AD. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, thank you for spending your time hanging with the AD. Mm-hmm.